This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist and a toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to be talking to Laura Thomas today. Laura is an award-winning documentary researcher and long-term employee of Nat Geo Wild. We'll be right back after these messages. My cat, Lily, loves to sleep on my head in the middle of the night and then run around chasing imaginary mice. And you know what? That's all stuff that I can deal with. What I can't deal with is a smelly, stinky litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps tight around odor and destroys it for a seven-day, odor-free home, guaranteed. That way, Lily isn't bringing home any stink into my house and not near my head in the bed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Really excited to talk to Laura Thomas today. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Justine. It's so great to be with you again. So give us a little bit of background about who you are, what your passion is, and what you've done in the past and what you're doing now. Great. Yeah. Um, So I am, as you said, a a documentary researcher. I've done some producing as well. And I worked for 19 years for Nacho Wild researching animal documentaries, both wildlife documentaries and a lot of veterinarian shows, including one about you, where you you were the star of our Animal ER Live, a fantastic show. And now I have just moved off of the Nacho Wild team to do some freelance filmmaking, which I'm really excited about. And I'm going to get some ideas moving in the animal and people interaction sphere. And so more to come on that in the year to come. Wonderful. Well, I know I had so much fun working with both you and also Dr. Will Draper, and we just totally bonded over our passion for animal rescue and for all the wildlife that are out there. And we love to save animals, regardless if they're four-legged, furry, furless, or regardless of what size (laughs) they are. One of the areas that we were actually talking about on the show Animal ER Live on Nat Geo Wild was exotic pet ownership. This is becoming more and more popular based on some of the statistics of the growing millennial population or generation that owns exotic pets. And I was wondering what information you ran into and how potential owners can educate themselves to be both a good exotic pet steward, but also an earth steward at the same time. Right. These are great questions. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I find that so well, everyone who adopts an exotic pet does so because they love animals. So everyone's coming from a really good, big hearted position when they get these pets. 
However, so many people don't know what they're getting into. And as you know, Justine, that means a lot of these animals end up in rescues. They get dumped by their owners because the owners take them in and then say, oh my God, I didn't know this animal was nocturnal or I didn't know this animal was going to chew up everything in my house. And then they don't want to take care of them anymore. So there are a few things that I think people can do when they're thinking about getting an exotic pet that will eliminate most of those issues down the line in terms of them not wanting to be a good parent or not being able to be a good parent for that animal. First and foremost, I think everyone should talk to their vet before they adopt an exotic animal because vets are awesome sources of information. And I think they should go see the breeder. Never get an animal from a pet store because you don't know where that animal came from. It could have been bred in really atrocious conditions. So I think people should always go see a breeder before adopting a pet from them. And I think those two things are a good place to start. And then beyond that, though, you got to do a tremendous amount of research just to figure out what the animal's going to need once you get it home. And we can talk a little bit more about how to get that information because that is another place that potential exotic pet owners run into trouble. Laura, what are some of the biggest problems that you have seen on Nat Geo in terms of wild animals being owned or exotic animals being owned? Good question. Um, as I said, a lot of a lot of people just don't know what the what the animal's behavior is before they take the animal home. So I would say every person that wants to get an exotic animal needs to do a little bit in addition to talking to their vet and seeing the breeder. There are a few things I think you should figure out if you want to be a good owner and also, as you said, be a good earth steward. First thing is to check out whether it's a problem for these animals to be bred in captivity. Are they being taken out of the wild? Do they breed well in captivity or are they super unhealthy when they're forced to breed? And there's a couple places you can look for that. One of my favorites that most people don't know about is a website called Eco Healthy Pets. And the website is ecohealthypets.com. You can browse different animals. I'm looking at it now. Like if you click on birds, you can look at cockatiel and pull up the cockatiel page. And it tells you that in terms of sustainability, there's little cause for concern. In terms of ease of care, there's some cause for concern. And it tells you these animals live a long time and they require a lot of attention and a lot of stimulation. So that's a really good resource. I also like, and I'm curious what you think, Justine, but I like PetMD, most of which is written by DVMs, veterinarians, and they have pages on PetMD on just about every pet under the sun. So if you want to get a pet hedgehog, you can go to their page and find out what are some health problems they have? What are some husbandry problems that you're going to run into? What do they require? Do you like that site? I actually used to blog for them, gosh, years ago okay. on the dog and cat sites. So yes, they definitely have some great information out there. I will say when in doubt, you do want to talk to a veterinarian or find an American association of that pet. So for example, the American Society of Herpetologists, uh, there's fantastic information on what animals require. So the hardest thing for me as a veterinarian is I will see a lot of more exotic or what we call pocket pets sold in pet stores. People see the sign for a $25 X, Y, or Z. So a gerbil or a guinea pig or an iguana. But what they don't realize, especially with some of these reptiles, is that they may require $500 worth of equipment. You may think, ah, eh, he only needs a 10-gallon tank and a screen, a lid, when in actuality, they need UVA and UVB light. They need proper 
nutrition. They need proper environmental stimulation. They need the right humidity. They need the right temperature. So it becomes really costly. So one of the mistakes that breaks my heart in the ER vet is when I see iguanas or reptiles come in and they have metabolic bone disorder. And that's most commonly seen when the calcium and phosphorus ratio is off, when they're not getting the appropriate amount of UV light. And so I say, if you're really passionate about an animal, please take the time to talk to a veterinarian or go to one of these reputable sites to make sure that you can provide the best environment for them. I will say Make sure you talk to someone if you're even thinking about getting a bird. If you talk to an experienced bird owner and you're interested in getting a big bird, you have to be prepared to have that bird for several decades. I've actually seen a parrot come in through the ER vet and this parrot was 78 years old. It had survived two wills already. So if you're not committed to having a bird for up to 100 years, then you shouldn't get a bird. If you're not prepared for the constant talking or the constant cleaning of cages, it really takes a lot of dedicated pet owners in order to provide an appropriate home. Anything that you saw when you were researching a lot of these exotic pets out there? Yeah, so I think everything you said is just spot on. And I think those those associations of owners can be incredibly helpful. And that's, like you said, where you're going to find just a wealth of information about how to take care of the animals and what the equipment is that's required. But I would caution people not to just use those sources. Because for example, you might find an association of happy capuchin monkey owners, and they might just say, you know, I love my capuchin monkey. It can be rowdy, but it's a great pet. But I think if you do a little more deep Googling, like I would encourage every exotic pet potential owner to Google capuchin monkey pet problems or hedgehog pet problems and see what crops up because maybe on those association websites, they're not going to tell you that you can actually get herpes from a monkey or you can give a monkey your herpes. (laughs) And so that's something that can kill your pet monkey. And also monkeys are pretty stressed out in captivity because it's really hard to give them proper enclosures and proper stimulation. So I think it's important to look for the problems you're going to encounter and not just talk to people who are really enthusiastic about the ownership. I think it's good to talk to both to get a balance of positive, happy information, and also just know all the stuff you're going to run into that's going to be stumbling blocks. So that would be my primary advice is just really do as much research as you can to understand both sides of the spectrum. You know, obviously we've both run into a lot of experienced pet owners, but I've also run into a lot of inexperienced pet owners where it can potentially affect your pet's health. So whether or not it's a dog, cat, feathered, scales, uh, we want to keep that in mind. There's also a big ethical dilemma. And I would say the majority of our listeners, you know, they're not going to go out and adopt a monkey. But the hard thing is we do see some of these exotic pets being taken out of the wild captured and sold on a black market. And so I, as a pet advocate, as a veterinary professional, never want to advocate for that. And I will say I have had some amazing bird owners, but I've also seen a lot of birds and rabbits and turtles surrender to an animal shelter because people get sick of taking care of them after, you know, one to two years or after Easter's over. So please just be aware there's a lot of ethical considerations uh, when it comes to adopting some of these pets. It may also be illegal in your state. So keep in mind, you can't just keep that wild squirrel that you found or rescued. You can't keep that wild skunk that you may have found. So 
in certain states, there's also laws prohibiting that. And that's for your own safety because we want to make sure everyone's safe, but to make sure really potentially deadly diseases such as echinococcus or rabies aren't spread. So when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian, make sure you do thorough research and that you're providing the safest environment that's environmentally appropriate for that animal, regardless of what type of animal it is. We'll be right back after these messages. We have a 12-year-old German Shepherd named Sophie, and she became overweight, stinky, greasy coat, and lifeless almost. Then about four years ago, we found out she had several vertebrae fused together. She was unable to walk. The vet told us Sophie was going to have to be euthanized. I thought, I've got to do something. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I remember Sophie starting the Dynavite, and she from day one has loved it. She is no longer stinky. She is full of life. Dynavite healed Sophie. Dynavite is nutrition. I truly recommend that people not wait until the vet recommends euthanasia. You have to get them on Dynavite right away while they're healthy. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today we're talking to Laura Thomas, and we've been talking about the ethical considerations of exotic pet ownership, whether or not you should purchase that crocodile or alligator or tiger. And the general rule is no. So first of all, (laughs) oftentimes it's illegal in your state. It also takes that animal out of their natural environment. But more importantly, we want to make sure that we're providing an appropriate household, a safe environment, appropriate nutrition, appropriate lighting. Um, So do your research before you even think about buying an exotic pet. You also, as Laura mentioned, you want to make sure you're researching the problems with that kind of husbandry. That doesn't mean your husband takes care of it. That actually means the care (laughs) of that particular pet. So just be aware, make sure you thoroughly research it. Now, when Laura and I worked together on Animal ER Live, that filmed on Nat Geo Wild, we often would see a lot of pet owners who were going instantly to Dr. Google. And if you talk to most pet owners, that's the first thing they're going to do. It's our gut instinct to research it. I want you to research it well, but you also want to make sure you're looking at a credible source. So Laura, what are some tips being that you are a main researcher for Nat Geo Wild? How do we advise pet owners to find trustworthy information? This is such a good question, Justine. And I think, I actually think this is a really important thing to talk about. And I don't think we talk about it much because the internet popped up so quickly in our society that we started using it without really scrutinizing the sources we were looking at. And now we find ourselves super dependent on it without a whole lot of knowledge about how to be able to tell, is a source good? Is it reliable? Is it written by a third grader? (laughs) Is it written by somebody who's trying to sell me something? And so there are a few things that I usually tell people when they're trying to figure out how to 
discern whether a source is reliable. One for pet health advice, whether it's dogs or cats, iguanas or tigers, is, is it written by a veterinarian? And almost always on a website, if the health advice is written by a veterinarian, it says written by Justine Lee DVM. And most, not all, but I would don't, I think you would agree, but you can tell me, I think most advice that you get from a veterinarian is pretty reliable, almost always reliable. The only exception I might think of is if a veterinarian is writing on behalf of like a dog food company and trying to sell you a particular dog food, then maybe you want to think twice about whether it's subjective. But I usually tend to rely on anything written by a veterinarian that's specifically about animal health. Do you agree? I also say my biggest hint is because there's a variability in the quality of veterinarians out there, but I always say when in doubt, go to a .edu website. So a lot of the veterinary schools are going to have a website that ends with .edu. So you know it's from a good source or even from org. You're going to trust .com a little bit less, but when in doubt, you always want to get resources from a large veterinary organization such as the American Medical Veterinary Association, the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. When you see these extra letters, it means that they are diplomats of the American College of whatever that area of expertise is. So you can find great pet owner handouts on that. And that is oftentimes um, how I discern where the best pet owner information is. One of my favorites is actually petplace.com because all the content is written by board certified specialists on simple to complex diseases. But when in doubt, my go-to is always .edu website. So websites from veterinary schools. That sounds great. I I think that's super good advice. And you can also often find veterinary hospitals that have their own webpage with uh, husbandry information or animal health information. Like I just Googled dog cancer and found that the VCA animal hospitals has a page about dog cancer. And so animal hospitals are another really good one. What we don't want, and people often get tripped up by, sometimes the .edu pages are written by college students, like a college student writing a paper for a health class about dog cancer. So it's important even on the .edu or .org sites to look at who is writing that page. So you don't want to take the advice of a college student, right? But if it's a professor of veterinary medicine, then that's good to go. So I think even for the .edu, .org or veterinary hospital pages, you want to just try and check out who was the actual author of that page. I will also tell you a couple of my favorite sites right now. So I already mentioned petplace.com um, is written by board certified specialists. And when in doubt, look for those extra letters behind that doctor of veterinary medicine. So as a board certified emergency critical care specialist, my letters behind my name are DVM, comma, D-A-C-V-E-C-C, which means I'm a diplomat of the American Board of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care, and I'm also a DABT, so a diplomat of the American Board of Toxicology. So petplace.com, again, has a lot of information written by board certified specialists. Another one of my favorite feline resources is the Cornell Feline Health Center, and this is written by experts at Cornell, uh, great vet school. Of course, I'm biased because I went there, but they do have an awesome cat owner website. So the Feline Health Center is another amazing site. The ACVIM, American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine, and the ACVS, which is the American College of Veterinary Surgery, has great information also. So if you're thinking about doing inexpensive knee surgery on your dog 
or your dog was diagnosed with laryngeal paralysis or something less common, you can find great information at these sites also. So when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian. Your veterinarian is going to have some good resources. You do want to use your discretion to make sure you're finding the right information. And one site that I love for poisoning cases is the ASPCA Animal Poison Control website. Uh, It's called the APCC website. That also has great information. So when in doubt, do your due diligence. Make sure it's the right information. When in doubt, talk to your veterinarian. And there's a lot of great information out there. But I'm also going to tell you, and Laura will agree, there's bad information out there too. So you do have to be really careful. And I always say if it's a website that is always leaning to one side or the other side, that's probably not an unbiased source. So you want to make sure you're finding a good site. And don't just rely on Google search engine optimization for how early it pops up when you're searching for it. Make sure you research it appropriately. Any other tips that you have, Laura? Well, I think everything you said is right. And for people that want to just make it easy on themselves, what I do, for example, if I if my dog is puking and I want to find out, is this a problem? I don't really know. My dog ate a piece of raw chicken. Should I be worried about this? I'll put in dog ate raw chicken and then I put DVM in my search so that I'm specifically going to get some advice from a DVM. So I would say anytime you're, you're using Dr. Google, to research something, actually make the answer come from a doctor and just put DVM into your search. Easy way to go. Great information. I will also say, if you talk to most veterinarians, they don't love it. Same with your human MD. They don't love it when you go to Dr. Google. But I'm actually an advocate for a pet owner who's a good advocate for their pet. And I'll tell you my own personal story. When I first had my baby boy, a human boy, I had shooting horrible pain in both my thumbs when I lifted up my infant. And granted, he was a chunk at 10 pounds, but I was really, really painful and I could barely lift him up for the first two months. And after two months of pain, I finally was like, oh, I'm going to Google this. And there's actually something called new mom's thumb. (laughs) It's a massive inflammation of both the tendons that go to the thumb. And I didn't realize this, but had I researched it appropriately earlier, I could have sought medical attention earlier. Took two steroid injections directly into the tendon, but then it was cured. So again, there is a lot of good information out there. You just want to make sure it's from a credible source. Laura, any last tips you want to leave us with? Well, I was just going to agree with what you said and say, I actually do think that the veterinarian needs to be the primary source for any health information that people need for their animals. So never, ever skip going to a vet just because you've Googled something. But I do think that web research is super useful, as you said, in informing ourselves about what the possible causes are of some symptoms or what to look out for. And then I usually inform myself that way and then call my vet and uh, make an appointment. I never skip that step because if if an animal's sick, they need to see an actual professional. <laughs> and if it's in the middle of the night and you can't get in touch with your veterinarian, you're worried, when in doubt, please get to the ER vet because there are some potentially life-threatening situations where you cannot wait until the next morning. Classic example is with any poisoning. Classic example is with a big dog that you think is vomiting but is actually retching and it's a life-threatening stomach bloat or twist, or what we call a gastric dilatation volvulus. So I always tell people, if you're worried, please get to a vet right away or your emergency vet. Call the ASPCA if you think your pet was poisoned. Absolutely. If you have time to research it, research it. But if you're truly concerned, get to your vet right away. 
Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. And we really appreciate you taking the time to provide us with some of your expertise and research. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure every time. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank Laura Thomas for joining us and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.